Are you ready, Christine? I'm ready. Are you ready, Ma? I'm ready. <laughs> Let's go. Let's go to Austria. And then so that's Hungary. where we were. Okay. Uh, Austria, Hungary, let's say, uh, you know, right there on the border. We haven't been there since the sound of music, I feel like. Oh, well, that might be correct. We no, wait, weren't we kind of close by? In, yeah, uh, we were in Germany, weren't we, last week? Wait, wait what do we do? Oh, I'm not a geography major. I don't know. I know that we did the old-timey um, Nosferatu. And right. it was in Transylvania. Oh, that's Romania. Well, so that European area. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Yeah, I said Germany for Nosferatu. And I said Switzerland for Bride of Frankenstein. And today we're going to Austria and Hungary. Which so at the time was all combined. Yeah, and it, it kind of fits in. This is the spooky time and that's the... Part of the spooky, where all the spooky stories come from. Mm -hmm. My grandmother was Hungarian. After a bus, rewind. After a bus crash on a lonely Austrian road, American honeymooners, Joan and Peter, are forced to spend their, the night at the house of Poltzig, a sinister looking man. What could go wrong? <laughs> More like what could go right? <laughs> we are doing the 1934 movie, The Black Cat. There are a lot of movies called The Black Cat. I almost watched one from 1981. You can rent it on uh, Prime for 99 cents. Oh, it's a big one. All right. So before I get into the particulars, I'm just going to say right off the bat that this is one of those movies that I suggest you watch for the sheer what the fuck factor. I, it. I loved it. Yeah. It's on my list for best movie of the year. Oh, it's a, I, it's on my list of uh, just sitting there watching going like, What? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> wait, yeah. what? There was a lot of rewinding I had to do because I was like, wait, excuse me? <laughs> back 10 seconds, back 10 seconds, yeah. back 10 seconds. <laughs> huh? Huh? Oh, man, like unexpectedly creepy. So, yes, it's, I highly, very short, too. So it's a great spooky time movie. Um, We will be spoiling it about. So you've yes. had your warning. Okay, it's produced by Carl Lemley Jr., who we know is the son of Carl Lemley, the founder of Universal Studios. Jr. was the studio head from 1928 to 1936. He was... Uh, behind Frankenstein, Bride of Frankenstein, Dracula, the Mummy, and the original Imitation of Life from 1934. This time, Universal Universal Studios is known for, it's. this is the time where it's known as being the classic horror. These horror films are what kept Universal Studios a thing. Um, the director is Edgar G. Ulmer, who also did Detour and Ruthless and The Wife of of Monte Cristo. Ooh, what? Uh-huh. Yeah. So, 
This is Edward G. Ulmer's only what is considered to be an A-list movie. Um, and we'll get into why that is later. He was considered the king of PRC, which was the produce, Producers Releasing Corporation. And that was an example of what is a studio that was considered a poverty row. So Ooh. on Gower Street in Hollywood, that was where it, the rents were cheaper and a bunch of B and low-level production companies popped up. And so you would have Poverty Row there. And they were often um, the low-budget production companies and the B movies for the lower half of a double bill. So the studios would send out a movie and they would be – basically you're getting two movies for the price of one – but really only one movie was kind of, you know, worth seeing. And then they would tack on the other one. And those were the B-movie pictures. Mm-hmm. So um, the screenplay is by Peter Rorick, who also did Grand Central Murder, Affairs of a Gentleman. And he's best known for his pulp fiction novel, Fast One. Mm. The story is by Edward Edgar G. Ulmer and Peter Rorick. It's suggested by the short story by American writer Edgar Allan Poe, who also wrote the short stories The Murders at Rue Morgue, The Telltale Heart, and the poem The Raven, among many other things. I'll get into that, but they took a lot of creative liberties if they're going to try to say <laughs> it was based on it. No, they said they they said it was suggested. Oh, we suggest. They mm-hmm. suggested. Now, here's a little Edgar Allan Poe uh, nerd alert, um, just for our murderinos out there who may want to go in and do more of a deep dive. Edgar Allan Poe died at 40 under mysterious circumstances. He was found delirious on the streets of Baltimore, not wearing his own clothes. He was wearing someone else's clothes. And he was in distress and they was taken to the hospital and he kept calling out the name Reynolds and they still Whoa. don't know what killed him. But so they, they kind of think it was probably like alcohol because I think he was a oh, quite well, a heavy drinker. But I'll get into that then, too. But then there was this All thing right. called copying or cropping. It was something and it was around um, elections where, you know, like muscle people will come and like beat people into voting for the right candidates. Oh, like they would kidnap people and beat them and make them vote the way that they wanted them to be voted. So <laughs> there's like that weird angle to it. There's a lot of just weirdness around Edgar Allan Poe's death. So that's just why I bring it up. Because I'm just like, what? But also he is, his hometown was Richmond, Virginia. I oh. did not know. Yeah. Um, the the Poe Museum is there. The Edgar Allan Poe Museum, beautiful wedding venue for a small wedding. Um, well, thank you for choosing Valentine over Poe. And there's like Poe's Pub is a little dive bar. There's a lot of Edgar Allan. Yeah, there's a like it's, I am one of my apartments I lived in. There was a like something to do with he. There was a reading of um, one of his short stories or something and it scared everyone so badly they ran out of the house and then you live there haunted for sure mm-hmm. <laughs> but she would get up she would have one eye like doing the, the popeye wink and be like you're gonna have to do more than that 
would just pass out. Is that the best you can do? <laughs> yeah, I don't think he um, was from Richmond, but he lived there. He, yeah. The building that is the museum, he never lived there, but it's the building serves to commemorate his time in Richmond. <laughs> the oh. time that he got off the train on the way to Baltimore and walked past this building. He was here. This is to commemorate his time. His mm-hmm. stopover. Oh, he spent much of his earthly existence in, existence in Richmond, including most of his childhood. Oh, wow. But he yeah. spent his afterlife haunting Baltimore. <laughs> the music is by Heinz Romheld. He is he had an uncredited score, so he didn't get credit for this, but he scored the burning of Atlanta in Gone with the Wind. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. He won an Oscar for Best Original Score for Yankee Doodle Dandy, and he also oh. did Ruby Gentry. The director of photography is John J. Maskell, who also did The Bride of Frankenstein. I remember from last week, he did Showboat, that scene with Paul Robeson, seeing Old Man River, The Invisible Man, Dark Waters. He was known for elaborate, some might say grandiose, effective camera movements in which the camera would often track completely across or around the set or even one performer, like with Showboat. Uh-huh. The editor is Ray Curtis, who also did Dawn Patrol and Little Caesar. It's starring Karloff, a.k.a. Boris Karloff as Halmer Polzig. Uh, Karloff was also in Frankenstein, The Bride of Frankenstein, How the Grinch Stole Christmas. Nerd alert, this film, The Black Cat, was shot between when he did The Mummy and The Bride of Frankenstein. So he, this is him at his peak. This is before peak. The Bride of Frankenstein? Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. But after Frankenstein. And then he did The Mummy, and then... I mean, he did a lot of work, but those were the big movies between it. He's 40... Around 47 years old at the time of this. And he had been married... He was married in his life six times. Hmm. Not surprising to me. I know. Hollywood people went through so many marriages. Um, In real life, his real name was William Henry Pratt, but he changed it in 1911 which was prior to many speculations because people say, oh, it was based on this and based on that book and that. But he had already changed his name by that time. It is said that he got Boris because it sounded foreign and exotic. It does. And Karloff was a family name, Karlov, the K-A-R-L-O-V. So he just put those together and was Boris Karloff. Hey, uh, that was that was genius, truth be mm-hmm. told. I know. William Henry Pratt. Mm-mm. You hear Boris Karloff and you just start shivering. Bella Lugosi as Another Dr. name that makes you shiver. Dr. Vitus Wundergast. He was 52 around this time. Like your grandmother, Mama, he was a, Hung- a Hungarian-American. Ah. He was in Dracula in 1931. He was also in Ninochka, which we did, mm-hmm. and Abbott and Costello meet Frankenstein, and Plan 9 from Outer Space, which was a 
3D level movie that was done by Ed Wood. And then there's that movie with Johnny Depp in it, Ed Wood, that I've never seen. I haven't either. So, hmm. Nerd Alert, he was, Bela Lugosi was always typecast because of his inability to speak the English language more clearly, a.k.a. he had an unacceptable accent. Unacceptable accent. Because there's a lot of people with accents, but if your accent is Irish, English, Australian, then you're considered golden. But, I mean, I could understand him. There's sometimes when people with Irish and Scottish accents and English accents, I got to put on the subtitles. Yeah. So, he was married five times. We have David Manners as Peter Allison. <laughs> he was also in Dracula, The Mummy, The Miracle Woman, and A Bill of Divorcement. More on him later. We have Julie Bishop, who is billed as Jacqueline Wells. And that was her birth name, Jacqueline Wells. But Nerd Alert, in 1941, Warner Brothers made her change her name because she had been a child, a child actor. And they thought that Jacqueline Wells was beat i guess <laughs> so she chose the name julie bishop because the jv were the same initials that she had of her married name which was jacqueline brooks so since she went by julie bishop all of her what is it? that is it is that mammogrammed <laughs> no mammograms are, are x-rays of boobs I know, but what is it when you have the initial? A monogram. 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 Yes. We're the same. Okay. Uh I mean, I knew what a mam. I knew it wasn't mammogram, but I knew it was in the family. That's a good girl. That's a good girl. Um. So she was played Joan Allison. She was a child actress. She was also in Northern Pursuit, Rhapsody in Blue, and Sands of Iwo Jima. So I bet old Julie Bishop. A.K.A. Jacqueline Wells could tell some stories about sure Hollywood. She had probably seen a lot. We have Harry Courting as Thamal. He's an English-American actor. He was, was he also, the, the butler? He was the henchman. The, okay, henchman. The other Oh, the big henchman. guy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, he's an English-American actor. He was in The Knockout, Adventures of Robin Hood, and The Wolfman. And he reminded me of the guy from um, the guy with the steel jaws from James Bond. That's it. That's all I got. He reminded are, me of him. Those are the particulars. Okay. <laughs> Let's set the table. <clears throat> we meet Joan and Peter Allison on a train on their honeymoon. So much so that I think they just got married that day. Yeah. Yeah. Because they went to lunch, which. Yeah, they had a lunchtime wedding, so they served lunch at their wedding for the meal, and then this guy was rude. He was like, oh, it's like they made the lunch out of papier-mâché. Yeah. Papier-mâché. So their compartment is being shared by a strange Hungarian man, Dr. Verdegust, one of Hungary's greatest psychiatrists. They get, okay, so they're on the train, then they have to get on a bus. And they get on the bus, and the Hungarian dude gets on the bus too because they're kind of going to the same place. 
and it's raining and there's an accident. So there's a big accident. It's not a fender bender. We have a, a mortal, a death, a fatality. Yeah, there was a death, and they just shit out of luck for that guy. He just said, yeah. "Sorry." About and it. I'm going coincidentally. They had the accident right there. Well, did you look at the rain and the road, which I don't even think it was a road, and the tires were very, uh, just very, very thin, thin tires. It just, I. Well, the calling it a bus is a bit of a misnomer as well, Hmm. because it was just a a big old, it was a big old cart with seats in it that that were covered. But okay, so coincidentally, the accident happens close to the engineer Poltzig's, one of Austria's greatest architects. Ultra modern house. Yes, that hap just so happens to be built upon a mass gravesite from that happened in the Great World War, World War One. There were Austrian and Hungarian troops. They got betrayed. Ten thousand men got slaughtered there. The ones who weren't slaughtered got sent to the gulag in Siberia which our our doctor guy was one of those lucky guys who went to the gulag. And then this guy, the architect guy, decided to build his ultra-modern mansion on top of what is basically a mass grave site. Exactly. What could go wrong? And we also find out that said engineer Poltzig, like, sold out his buddies to the Russians... And let them all be slaughtered in order to come back and then build his ultra modern home on their graves. So it seems uh, Engineer Pulsic was in charge of Marmorus, which appears to be, it reminded me of, stay with me here, the Mm -hmm. Guns of Navarone, the big gun turret place, because they had... It was built on top of all these things that had to do with a big gun. Okay. <laughs> okay. I mean, it was it, sure. it wasn't easy just, to follow all that. Just, yeah, just, just a lot of just a lot of creepiness. Lot, just okay. There was war. There's going to be weirdness. <clears throat> so, Doctor Verdegust was captured and sent to said prison for 15 years. He has just gotten out and has come back to ask Poltzig where his wife and daughter are because evidently Poltzig married his wife and uh, had the daughter um, living with him as well. Not going to lie, I got a bit confused between the wife-daughter. As did I. As did I. Also, I just got confused about the whole timeline of everything because how did the doctor get... I thought that he had just come out from the gulag and was hunting this man down and mm-hmm. he had, cause he had trapped, followed them around where he, cause he knew it was like, I tr- followed you from here and here and here. And was listing all these different countries where, cause he was, you know, on the tail for his wife, but then it made it, but then it was like, how did he become such a renowned 
psychiatrist and also how did he come into contact with his henchmen because i thought that he had just gotten out i don't know the timeline mm. was you thought about it way more than i did yeah i, just I, went, did, with it. I went with it and i went with it until there were certain parts where i was like wait what and then that stuff got filled in when i was trying to read the different plot synopsis and it's weird how when you read the synopsis of like a movie like this, how they s- summarize it differently, so that ah. the so that I'm still unsure, and I guess everyone's a little bit unsure mm-hmm. of the timeline because I guess it doesn't really matter. Exactly, exactly. We're not in it for the timeline. Although I was thinking that the doctor ate well in the prison. That's, see, this is what I was thinking. Well, she had a belly on him. Now, if Boris Karloff had come out of the prison, I would understand. Svelte. Okay. Svelte. I like it. Got those cheekbones. So I said, and so it begins. So much more happens in the few minutes of this film. Yeah. So much. And we're going to spoil it for you. And I, I had a blast watching it. So um, I... <laughs> suggest you watch it as well. I hope it's more interesting to you than the dogs are at this moment snoring quite loudly. Yeah. Um, so we are to power of cast because there are no people of color. Although, didn't you get that they made Harry courting? Uh, they did things with his eyes to otherize him and make him seem like he was non-white. Or is that just me? Uh, Harry Harry played what part? Thamal, the henchman. Oh. The psychiatrist henchman, the big mm. guy. Maybe that's why he reminded me of that other guy. Because um, he looked to me as kind of like um, like a, an, an Asian in the, like a northern, like Mongolian kind of area. Like getting that kind of vibes from him. And I do Mm -hmm. think they had lifts in his shoes because his shoes did have a heel on them to make him even bigger. Or maybe he was just because if you, you know, on the maps and stuff with migration, if he was in Siberia, kind of had that like Siberian look, which they do get. It it is like a bit Asian and stuff. Understood. Okay. So I don't know. But I did definitely. It doesn't really matter what the ethnicity is i to me he came across as an other he was treated as another mm-hmm. as was i'm gonna call him igor whoever was boris karloff's oh yeah second was also yeah with the weird weird like uh little beetle haircut before yeah. the Beatles. just lacquered to his hair yeah like a like playmobile man hairstyle Oh, very much. Like a Lego man. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And also, power of cast women have no power. None at all. They cannot do anything to help themselves other than scream. All they're supposed to do is just be dead and be in a gallery of weirdness. Yeah. Suspended on wires by canvas underwear. <laughs> Um, also black cats. Yes. I'm going to put that in there. And Um, I have a tasty nugget about black cats. 
Oh, you do? Mm-hmm. But you go ahead if you already have something. I have a little bit about it. Just, I was reading something about how I didn't know about um, thousands of years ago, all kinds of cats were living the good life in Egypt. And yeah. if you killed a cat, it came with a death sentence. And then when Christianity took over, they were like, mm, these pagan symbols have got to go. And at some point, um, well, in 1233 AD, Pope Gregory put the final nail in the black cat coffin when he declared black cats to be an incarnation of the devil himself. I know. So Christians began to round up black cats and burn them alive at village oh, festivals excellent. to punish them for their devilish ways. So by the 14th century, cats were almost extinct in parts of Europe. Um, <laughs> then they started uh, being linked to witches. And then they were saying that black cats were the witches themselves. I mean, Sabrina the Teenage Witch, great show. With a great <laughs> black cat. Um, well, were they cool with white cats? And, uh, yeah, they love cats? all the other cats. It's it's just, well, I don't know. I think, some, things, I think some, some of them, prob- some people probably thought all cats were with witches. But it was but, just uh, reinforcing white supremacy. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes, once again, the black cats were the bad ones. Um, but then they started to become a symbol of bad luck and all of that. But a study in 2013 at Colorado State University found that it takes four to six days longer for black shelter cats to be adopted than cats of any other color. Wow. Um, so around 70% of shelter cats are eventually euthanized, but not necessarily black, but. 70 well, based on the cats. math, so, yeah, many of cats. those are probably black cats. So, well, because uh, they happen to be born black, adopt a black cat or a black dog. I'll adopt a black dog. I am allergic to cats, so I had a black, we had a black cat named Gremlin. I think it wasn't all black. Oh, now we're getting into colorism. Well, he was like more of like a tortoiseshell. <laughs> but my grandma always has black cats they're great I, I, yeah I mean cats are just so their own individual that they don't do anything unless they want to so Hence I, I, I don't think are. cats should be uh, rounded up and burned at the stake I don't yes no. I, I mean, if we find out that they do morph into witches, then I love them even more. If that happens, it'd be true. I'm in. Well, this brings me to my other, my power of caste, which is Satanism. Just, um, man, talk about that. That's one of those things where it is so, it has so been ingrained in us to be like, Oh, yo, no. They're like the satanic panic that happened when I was a kid in the 80s. And you find out that it was really just from the get-go. It, and then the religion of Satanism isn't what mainstream, like what we all yeah. think that it is. Right. You know? And that it's it's like all religions, there are, you know, I'm sure, like... Um, it was extreme. Yeah, exactly. Like, you know, Christians don't want to be lumped in with those Westboro Baptist people who are always uh, picketing 
soldiers' funerals and stuff and say, you know, like, you don't want to say, oh, all Christians are like them. Just the same with, you know, the Taliban isn't all people who practice Islam, like every religion and stuff. Oh, yeah. But like, stuff with Satanism, though, that is... <laughs> It's still creaky to me. It is yeah, creaky to it, me. That's one of those things where, like, just the advertising, and they just got in, er, like, early and hard on this is what it is. And it has been a real uphill battle for anyone to try to parse and say, no, actually, it's this, because, wow. Well, you're Satan, and then people are automatically like, you're worshiping somebody who's doing harm, or, you know, it's just right. the devil. Yeah, but it it but there's it's just one of those things where there's a lot more to it, but oh, yeah. because of movies like this and yeah. the satanic panic and all of those things and Rosemary's baby. Yeah, and the evangelical Christians, especially in the eighties and stuff, where it was just the molest like the was the McMartin trial and the West mm-hmm. Memphis Six and music, the Manson family, like they just get tied into all of that. So even people who are open-minded like myself, I'm still like, yeah, but I, okay, I'm, I gotta work real hard on, I'm willing to learn and stuff, but there's like a lot of, like y'all need a, a huge major makeover of an advertising. PR. You need a yeah, PR for Olivia Pope to just come in with a whole new sort of uh, blitz and to be like, this is who we are. Because, I mean, that's true. Wow. It's true. Um, speaking of, I mean, I don't know if, I don't know if this has, we're, f- we only have two episodes left of um, Midnight Mass. Anyone yet? Oh, no, I'm not watching that. No. Is it, is it a cultish? Like the occult. Yeah, it's not like um, get scared in the dark scary. I don't think. Oh, okay. It's like a religious island. It's like this island. I started Small island town where everyone is goes to the same church and some weird things start happening. That's when I turned it off. Oh. <laughs> Oh. It sounds well, similar to Evil, maybe, on Paramount+. Plus. I haven't watched it. Then you could watch it. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, it's good. I don't think it's that scary. Oh, okay. So, so <laughs> I'm calling the- you, Christine, and waking you up <laughs> in the middle of the night <laughs> if I get freaked out. Creepy for sure, but scary, I don't know. Very biblical- Oh, see, that's the thing that is more scary to me is is mm. that sort of creepy biblical. Then maybe stuff. don't watch it. Yeah, <laughs> that's what it like, gets to me. I, I I'm here in my in my domicile. I'm one of those people. I don't like to invite those types of things in. Yeah. Leave me alone. Get behind me, Satan. <laughs> it's yeah. like we were at um we took Sparky to one of Adam's football games. And there was a parent there who had always just been a little different, a father, and Sparky wouldn't go anywhere near him. And so we all went listening to Sparky. Well, <laughs> Sparky you wouldn't go, 
not spoiler alert in the first episode all the cats all the cats on the island die okay and so they're trying to figure out if somebody poisoned them so now you've piqued her interest but then didn't know this was gonna happen this big dog the dog dies and then okay before before that the dog is barking at this one guy. I was like, ooh, that's not good. Yeah, because they have an, another sense, just like Tommy loves me. And so one night, okay. yeah, and you see how much he loves people. One night I was walking him, and he just stopped in our tracks, turned around, and started growling at this guy behind me. And I was like, ooh, I've never seen you growl at a person before. So mm-hmm. we are going to run as fast as we can away from here. Exactly. I, I the, the thing with Sparky, that. like we were all because he's the he was the kind of dog that would get so happy when somebody came when he saw another person he would pee on himself. That's he would pee how happy go lucky he was. His whole hey, body was vibrating with happiness. Yeah, he was a golden uh, cocker spaniel, and then he, he was like, mm, you know, he saw that dude. man, and he he barked at him like he was like the pizza delivery, per- like you know, like somebody coming to the front door because we never used the front door, and was growling, and we were like, he became Cujo, and we were like, okay, point taken. <laughs> so now we are to nerd alerts. I have for nineteen thirty four. Fuji photo film was established. Really? Mm-hmm. Wow. I feel like that came about in 1934. And wow, yeah. such a comeback these days. 1934. We wow. saw so much Fuji products. So many Fuji. Wow. Disposable Fuji cameras. Can't get enough of them. Remember the. And they all Fuji. asked me, can you develop these? Yeah. Where <laughs> do they even send them? Because we used to have these little. Little tiny, they they looked like the guard houses of, of, uh, and you would drop your film off and then you'd go pick it up in a couple days. And like, I don't even know if every CVS does that. Like you have to find maybe like a specific You do have one. to find one. I yeah. imagine a lot of them got rid of their photo processing centers. Exactly. As did Walmart. A lot of Walmarts mm-hmm. got rid of them. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah, they established, um, you know, Nazis are, are doing Nazi things like making promises to Poland, saying they, they promise we'll be cool for 10 years. Uh-huh. Spoiler alert, that didn't go well. I did feel like this film kind of foreshadowed Nazism what was coming. The bad was coming. Yeah, because it's in the shadows of what had come, which was a thing that I forgot in my cast about oblivious Americans and mm. how they just seemed oblivious to the horrors of world war one and mm. how, I mean, that decimated Europe and stuff. And, and it didn't touch our shores. So it was yeah. like, yeah, sorry about that. We're going to so, go on. Mm-hmm. And then you would maybe see um, soldiers who were maimed and stuff, but it wasn't like, like when we mentioned it, when we didn't know Sferatu about in Germany and how that whole, how this is the time that it's leading up to, you know, what is going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Um, Japan also, they ha- established the state of Manchuria. So they are in mainland China, which you can imagine that's not going over well. Yeah. John Dillinger in the United States breaks out of jail with a wooden gun and goes on the lamb. It's a wooden gun. Yeah, and then we have Bonnie and Clyde. They get killed. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. Mm-hmm. 
mm-hmm. with a lot of bullets. Those, those were a lot of bullets. A lot of bullets, a lot of bullets. So this is, you know, Great Depression yeah. time. The economies everywhere are tanking. Um, the top five films. So number five was It Happened One Night. Number oh, we did f- It Happen One Night. Mm-hmm. That's a great film. Number yeah. four is Forsaking All Others. Number three is Broadway Bill. Number two is One Night in Love. And the number one film of 1934 is Cleopatra. This isn't oh. the Cleopatra with Elizabeth Taylor. I don't no, know who is in. I don't know what white actress is playing Cleopatra in this well, version. It's certainly not a woman of color. I can guarantee yeah. you that. So here are the um, Best Picture nominees for 1934. The White Parade, which... Ooh. Viva Via. Ooh. The Thin Man, which we did. One Night in Love, Imitation of Life. The Health of Rothschild. Here Comes the Navy, The Gay Divorcee, Flirtation Walk, Cleopatra, The Barretts of Wimpole Street, and the winner was It Happened One Night. Oh, and it yay! One hmm. Night actually did a clean sweep of the Oscars. It won the top five awards, being Best Picture, Best Director, Best Actor, Best Actress, and Best Screenplay. And only three films have done that ever one Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest, and The Silence of the Lambs are the other two. Oh, wow. Claudette Colbert played Cleopatra. Claudette Colbert as Cleopatra. Yes, she did. Was she, was Claudette Colbert, she was, uh, she was, she had brown hair, right? She wasn't a blonde. She was not a, well, I don't know if she ever was a blonde in the picture I just saw. It looked like a reddish, but it was a black and white picture, but it mm-hmm. looked like, you know, a reddish brown. It was like a light brown hair. It at, was, least, at least with Elizabeth Taylor, we got black hair. At least we had raven hair. Right. So, okay. I guess progress, right? Well, um, Christine, nerd alerts. Okay, I did a nerd alert. Well, we'll start with the boring one. Fox, Takata, and Fugue in D minor. That was the that was what he was playing on the organ. Remember? Oh, yeah. Everyone knows it. Um, I once tried to learn it. Very hard. But it's a piece of organ music written by Johann Sebastian Bach, personally my favorite composer. Mm. Um, opens with the Decada section, which is a fast-moving, lightly fingered or otherwise virtuosic passage, generally emphasizing the dexterity of the performer's fingers, Ooh. followed by a fugue, which is a contrapuntal composition in which a short melody or phrase is introduced by one part and successfully taken up by others and developed by interweaving parts. Mm. Damn, that sounds confusing. And ends in a coda. Mm, the old coda. Yeah. Um, it was written anywhere between, there's discrepancy. We don't know. Between 1704 and the 1750s. And Bo- Boris wasn't really playing it on that organ. He wasn't. No, he probably wasn't that good. Mm-mm. His his fingers were not going down when notes were being played. Yeah, I was mm-hmm. out of sync. Yeah. Now, forgive me. 
who was the composer who was deaf? Beethoven. Ah, okay. I always get my box and my Beethovens confused. Um, They said that this was typical of the North German organ school of the Baroque era. Okay. Yeah, what you will. Um, and it was pretty well known, but it really got famous after Walt Disney used it in Fantasia. Yes. Which yeah. really, ah, yes. What year was that? Oh, Fantasia. Well, you keep going. I'll look it up. Um. Well, all I really have left is it was the now it's the best known organ work of the 18th century. Yeah, and always uh, around. Uh, you always hear it around Halloween. Yeah. And- with like a storm or something bad's happening. Exactly, exactly. You hear that music, shit's getting real. Yeah. 1940 Fantasia. Oh, We're so gonna they have, have to do Fantasia sometime. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we do. I yes. love Fantasia. Oh, how I how I wish that my mops would just mop. I know. No, isn't that the truth? <laughs> my other nerd alert is about the short story by Edgar Allan Poe. Yes, please. Mm. Because I did read it. Ooh. Christine nice read, read it. I read the synopsis on Wikipedia. It's only 14 pages. Only 14. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> it so took her so it took her a minute to read. <laughs> I had a nice little shower and read it while I was in the shower. Um <laughs> wait. Wait. I so sit. you're I like in, the, in the shower. Yeah, she does oh, a you sitting sit shower. Oh, you sit in the shower and I need to make in to cover me up. Wow. You, th- I, that's just disaster waiting to happen if I tried <laughs> to do that. Yeah. I'd need yeah. a new You know, iPhone. I don't have a good enough bathroom for a bath anymore these days. I know. It's true. It's true. That's that's the only thing. Well, yeah. that in a small kitchen. Yeah. Just take um, that wall out. The perks of living in Brooklyn. So... The short story is like nothing like this movie. And it was, I feel like I I love the movie, but if you do this short, short story, it's going to be creepy. They could have done this too. So it's basically about <laughs> this man who doesn't have a name, an anonymous man, and he loves animals so much. And he's like, has so many. Oh my God. It's like the birds are outside. Yes. <laughs> um, I just heard it. And he has all these animals. He loves them. He has all kinds of animals. He gets married. And he and his wife, they just love animals. Um, And so then they get this black cat. And the black cat's his favorite animal. Um, But one of the quotes, uh, when he was talking about how much he loved animals, he said, "To to those who have cherished an affection for a faithful and sagacious dog, I need hardly to be... I need hardly be at the trouble of explaining the nature or the intensity of the gratification thus derivable. There is something in the unselfish and self-sacrificing love of a brute, which goes directly to the heart of him who has had frequent occasion to test the paltry friendship and gossamer fidelity of mere man. So I was like, at first I was like, this is me. I'm this man. Exactly. Um, So then he gets his black cat. The black cat's his favorite animal, but one day the black cat bites him or scratches him, does something to him. And then he's like, I got to tear his eyeball out. 
tears his eyeball out. What? Oh God! He puts the cat's eyeball out. He's like, oh my God! So this guy just goes for. He just has. It's just an on-off switch with him. He's lover it's of like, animals. Well, you know, until... there's a thing called cute aggression. So I'm wondering if he had cute aggression, which I sometimes have with Mac, where you like think something is so cute you just want to squeeze it. But he went to ripping the eyeball out. And then well, there's uh, a like, difference, I feel like, between squeezing and tearing an eyeball out. But okay. Well, <laughs> tomato, that. tomato. It wouldn't be it wouldn't be that hard. His eyeballs are half out anyway. So But this is the best part. He wrote, My original soul seemed at once to take its flight from my body. And a more than fiendish malevolence, gin nurtured, thrilled every mm. fiber of my frame. I took from my waistcoat pocket a penknife, opened it. <gasps> grasped the poor beast by the throat and deliberately deliberately cut one of its eyes from the socket. Wow. Damn. So he was so, drinking gin. He was drinking gin. <laughs> well, he then, would be to us. Yeah. Um, then he, uh, something else happened and he, he was like, that's not enough. I'm going to hang this cat. Oh. He hung it from a noose. Yeah. From the oh. But then, but then the house burned down mm-hmm. all their belongings. He and his wife ran out the house, the house burned down. And he said, and then, but all that left standing was where his bed headboard used to be. It was like an burned outline of a cat hanging a cat in a noose. Well, yeah. So then, um, he wrote one night as I sat half stupefied in a den of more than infamy, my attention was suddenly drawn to some black object reposing upon the head of one of the immense hogshead of gin or of rum, which was constituted the chief furniture of the apartment. So he gin or rum, we don't discriminate earlier when I think when he killed the cat, he was drunk on wine. So then this other cat appeared they were just renting a place and he was like, asked the landlord, he was like, Hey, can I have that cat? I really am drawn to it. And the landlord was like, well, I don't know what cat that is. It's not mine. And so the cat looked exactly like his old cat, but it had like a white marking mm-hmm. similar to that before a noose would have hung mm-hmm. and it was missing an eye. Oh, <laughs> and the wife thought that was endearing. The wife was like, look, oh my God, it's so cute. It's so much like the old one. He was like, this is creepy. Um, but they kept it. Then I guess they moved in their own place. Um, and he like was going down to the cellars. And he was like, the more, and I, I just grew to hate the cat more. But the more I grew to hate the cat, the more the cat followed me around. Uh-huh. So one day they were going down to the basement and the cat annoyed him so bad. He picked up an ax to murder the cat and the wife was like no no so then he said he put the axe right into her brains because he was like oh, oh okay so then he just murdered the wife okay. um i'm telling you then, this guy's got it it's just an on off switch and then he so in the basement there were like all these um places built into the walls where you could cover it up so he just put a wife in there yeah, of course. And put bricks all over it. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was funny because he um, said he like cleaned up the slightest of appearance of being, being disturbed. The rubbish on the floor was picked up with the minutest care. I looked around triumphantly and said to myself, here at least then my labor has not been in vain. And he was like, I, 
Uh, he didn't care about murdering his wife or anything. Yeah. So then a few months go by, the cops come around. And oh, like, might have had nobody has seen it. your no. wife. <laughs> now the cops come around, they look through the house, they go down to the cellar three times. And then this cocky SOB takes a cane and was like tapping on the wall and was like, look how well this house is built. And then a screech comes through. So then the cops were like, oh, we're going to have to take down this wall. And then they find that the cat, he buried the cat with the wife in the wall. He didn't know it. And then it ended. Wow. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> well yeah. done. Well done, Christine. I, 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 I'm glad for the retelling because I, I didn't want to read it myself. Wow. Okay. Yeah. But okay. So then they were saying that, um, it talks the they're comparing it like he talks about how bad alcoholism is like he like the whole theme of it was like mm-hmm. look how bad alcohol is so if he died of alcoholism that would really right sense. right mm-hmm. but it's okay to kill creatures and your wife but don't do it in an alcoholic stupor yeah but isn't that also with the telltale heart is and the they said it's very much like the telltale. Yeah. Part. Yeah. Well, he was a fucked up dude. <laughs> oh, you think? Roaming around Richmond. Yeah. And then mm. be more careful. Mm. Well, I, I don't. I, I don't know that we can top that. <laughs> well, the thing is, is that. In an interview, like Ulmer admitted that the whole reason that this movie didn't really have anything to do with the short story, and they said that it was suggested merely as an advertising ploy to get people exactly. to come uh, see it. It worked with us. Remember last week? You're like, did. oh, it worked yeah. based on the oh, short based story. On Edgar right? Allan Poe? I'm like, I need yeah. to get like a book of Edgar Allan Poe. I remember reading, having to read like the Telltale Heart or something in middle school, and be like, oh my. The Raven. I probably oh. had to read it, but I did it. I bet I didn't. I bet it was an well, assignment. It's short enough, yeah. Yeah, they were just short, so understood. I mean, I... But then there's that that English ease. It is it... hard. It was the. It's harder. You can't skim it. Right. Mm-hmm. Gee. So. Yeah. Okay. Well, we are two reheatables, and uh, uh, negative would be. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe. <laughs> <laughs> why? I don't know why. Is, why is that a negative reheatable? Ooh, he he an animal he abuser that we know of. Well, we don't really know. Well, uh, it, it, it he wrote about it. Yeah, but just well, because that's just like Mary Shelley you know. wrote a bit of creating man out of dead people. Well, that's true. Somehow that doesn't seem as bad. Okay, you're just, you're just sore because he, the wife was like, "Don't kill the cat," and he's like, "I'll kill you." That's right. <laughs> okay, okay. Her eyebrows, you know, the '30s uh, eyebrows. Yes. Oh God, that was I, so I had bad. a question. So, did they just shave the eyebrows off and then just draw it in with a pencil because they are so thin and they go down so far? Uh, down to the cheekbone. Yes, they did that. And if you ever saw, she's um, thinking. thinking. Uh, it's like, like the rainbow circle and a max. Yes, baby. exactly. It, it was. Uh, I 
think it might have been postcards from the edge or um, something where it was Shirley MacLaine and her daughter. Go there with me. Carrie sure. Fisher. Okay, not in real. Like not in real life. This is a movie. Oh, that, you're talking about Meryl Streep? No, I'm talking about Shirley MacLaine was the character. Debbie Reynolds. Shirley MacLaine was the character, was the, uh, was the actress uh -huh. in a movie about, uh, uh, oh, okay, anyway. Cards from the end. They had to, um, they, in the old days, shaved the eyebrows and penciled them in, and then they never grew back. And mm. she was like on her deathbed and she had to leave the hospital and she was asking her daughter to draw her eyebrows on because she didn't have any eyebrows and she couldn't meet her public without her I, eyebrows on. That's I, where all that went. Hmm. Sorry about that. Okay. Um, it's your first night with your new wife and you don't sleep in the same bed with her, even though she's been given a narcotic, even more, she's been given a narcotic. Why don't you, why don't you get in bed with her to make sure she's going to be okay all night? I guess because he was listening to the doctor and the doctor said no. And he was like, oh, okay. I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. And all the bedrooms adjoin? Yeah. I mean, there's an adjoining door in between every bedroom. But he's going to give Bella Lugosi the bedroom next to her. And then the husband, the bedroom next to Bella Lugosi. Yeah, but then yeah. Bella Gossi, he sorts that out. He's like, exactly. I can closer. My last negative reheatable, those dresses for the for the oh, yeah. ceremony. Oh, just emphasizing the boobs and the and the nether region. I mean, come on. Those were hideous. <laughs> they were. They were. Next. I also had the eyebrows. Her husband, he just sucked all around. I mean, the fact that he let another man. No, you're on your honeymoon. Somebody wants to come into your cabin. No, we're on a honeymoon. Sorry. Exactly. Find, Find another one. What about at the be after the horrific crash where the driver dies? Did you what did you guys feel about I it, this is one of those things where I understood it, but I also wondered what the husband was thinking because the husband wasn't carrying his wife. He it was the thomal guy who was carrying yeah. his wife. Oh, yeah. And I know he was bigger, but I, I do kind of feel like he it, not saying like, oh, no, I'm going to do it and prove it. But I just sort of felt like he would be salty, a little bit salty about it. Oh, he didn't love her. He just got married to get married. Um, well, I have more on that later. Ooh. <laughs> I think so. Yes. Think so. <laughs> Wasn't everybody? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, And then how little the black, like if you're going to name a movie, the black cat. Yeah. Yeah, you gotta have more of the damn black cat. I thought that maybe it was gonna get killed nine times when the first knife went into the cat. Love that. Yeah. So <laughs> I was like, oh, he's gonna come back and they're gonna kill him again. He's gonna keep showing up. Oh, because the black cat was just to get your gullible ass in the theater. Exactly. That Pay your it. seventy-five cents. It worked. Is that it? Yeah. 
oh, this is crazy, teeny. I thought for sure you were going to hate these titles. Because not only does it show you the... The, it, does, it gives the name. It actually shows the picture of the actor playing uh, the maybe part. Maybe I wasn't paying attention yet. I don't think I saw that. Yeah, the very but beginning. I, okay. I was I, like, Teeny's going to hate these titles. Oh, my God. Not, must have my head down. Oh, all right. I was wrong. Um, I put them with my bad reunibles. I was not really sure what was happening at all in this film. It wasn't until I read the plot synopsis on Wikipedia that I was fully able to piece everything together. So I was like, huh. So and then I found a Den of Geeks article that explained that Karloff was the architect. See, this is one of those things where it's different. In this Den of Geeks article, it says that Karloff was the architect of the prison camp there where Lugosi and 10,000 men were killed and he built a mansion on top of the mass graves. And then mm-hmm. other people say that Karloff, he was the famous architect, but that he was the one that was responsible for turning over the men to the That's Russians. What I thought. They got slaughtered and then the, the survivors went off to the gulag. So That's what I thought. Everything's up in the air. Um... I think this is a bad reaction. Boris Car or not Karloff, Plogosi's character seeing a, a black cat and thinking I must kill it. But apparently that that this movie does have something to that do with was, the short yeah. film or the short story. Uh the, like a total lack of re yeah. of reaction from I I lurophobia, phobia of cats. Ah. Also known as gatophobia or felinophobia. I also have the lack of reaction to his black cat being murdered, Boris Karloff, yeah. really anybody. They were well, all that like, was like the that was like the short story. Oh. Um did he have any reactions to anything? I mean, he was such a like a walking corpse himself. I don't I know. Apparently not. I here's a. I I enjoyed this aspect of the film because I thought it was creepy. It made it creepy in a way that was different from what you would think of other creepy houses. But I'm not a fan of Polzig's architecture. His I like, his I kind of liked it. I wouldn't want to live there. Yeah, a bit too okay. modern for me. It was very modern. He had sliding doors a lot, which I thought were cool. But then there would be places where there should be a sliding door. And that was a door that would open. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't make it. Yeah, because if you notice, everything was rounded edges. All of the all of the lamps and the side tables, everything had rounded edges. And then all of a sudden they didn't anymore. Like there were. It, so I'm going, oh, this is a thing. All these rounded edges—that's got to mean something. And then all, then it, everything had sharp edges. I. Well, the and the main door between his outside and the inside mm-hmm. was a sliding door. But when he, mm-hmm. wait, I don't know if you notice it. Somebody comes in and they go to shut it, and the door is so light that it literally bounces back. <laughs> I'm like, oh, he's gonna need a heavier door than that. There's a weird partition 
when the when the American guy is in his hotel, it, well, yeah, hotel in his room, there's just this weird triangle partition between the door and the bed that I just thought was weird. Um, also, the whole murder museum that's in the basement. Yeah, is... I mean, come on, you can't go through that and come out on the other side just like, yeah, I it, fine, let's just move on. And then, He's... but go ahead. Bodies just suspended in air yeah, in glass cases. That's weird. Um, but then this is why it it's so interesting to me because it was such a brightly lit and super modern place, and yet that made it so much more creepier than like Manderley that was in Rebecca, right. you right. know, with all of those arches and gothic but this with all of its bright lights and its modernism and stuff i was like this seems way more creepier oh my gosh um when they have to play they play chess the two of them are playing chess to see uh if boris karloff's character wins the chess match old old joan is going to be sacrificed in the satanic ritual exactly and if Bella wins, then he gets to save her. But meanwhile, her husband is such a doofus. And we find out that he's a mystery writer. Yes. He's got to be the worst mystery writer because he's like, he knows that he has to get out of there. And he's like, can we go to the train? And he's like, no, the train doesn't leave until the express, which is at 11. And he's like, well, I'll call the hotel and have them come get us. And he's like, you can try. And the phone's dead. And he's just like all these things. He, meanwhile, these two men are just playing chess for the fate of his own wife. Like, oh, man. Smiling. And then the fact that after all of that, he was like, we're leaving. Leave all your stuff. We'll send for it later. And he thought they were just going to walk out the front door. Yeah. yeah. He needed to pull some. Um, me- instead, what's the guy in um, Nosferatu where Nosferatu was gone and he still jumped out the damn window. Yeah. Right. But- Nobody else in the building. And he was <gasps> like, I got to creep out the window. <laughs> yeah. But- oh, no. Um. The fact that they just, at the end of these movies, they just love to blow themselves up. Yeah. It's just yeah. same with Bride of Frankenstein and stuff. Just, that's it. We're all going out in a big explosion. And then I put this down as the final scene. It just was very waka waka where they, the two Americans, just make it out by just sheer dumb luck. And they're on the train and they don't seem at all to have any sort of PTSD about what they just witnessed, what happened. They're obviously, I think they're in Hungary, maybe they're in Austria. They managed to find an American newspaper and it manages to have a review of my main man's book. book. (laughs) And the review is basically saying this guy, he comes up with things that are so far-fetched and unbelievable and they just kind of like look at each other it's like what that, and then it ends i'm like this is how it ends huh. yeah. so those were my negative reheatables we are now to positive reheatables i love the music the score all the way through and this is one of the first movies that did that Mm-hmm. it was um 
in the early 30s to have the continuous music it wasn't a thing it was usually just the credits that had their music but 80 uh-huh. percent of this film has music in it litsik chayevsky chopin and the rest and i felt that it really propelled the movie along and really added spookiness and suspense i agree mm-hmm. and i like the comic aspects there were te- several times when there was comedy included. Mm-hmm. Other positives? Um, I don't know if this is true. I never looked it up. But I thought there were... Well, okay. Boris Karloff's Ode to the Monster. I felt like he was doing that when he rose out of bed that time. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was also very phallic. Oh, I didn't. I read that. Love that. Mm -hmm. I just thought he has a really strong core. He does. And something else too, I guess. Um, (laughs) And I didn't know that this was before the bride, because at first I thought the one lady that was in there, she had bride of Frankenstein hair. Yes. Oh, it was all the way up. Oh, and she was on the pillow. Mm -hmm. No, and she was like, "Oh, and she was suspended." Yeah, yeah. yeah. Maybe the bride of Frankenstein took it from this. Um, I thought it was funny how he read one page of the Rights of Lucifer book before going to bed. He was like, "Okay, I'm tired." Uh, okay, you thought I wouldn't like the title cards, but I liked the ending where they, at the very end of the movie, they put up a good cast is worth repeating and they have the cast again at the end of the movie. Oh, wow. wow. I didn't notice that. I didn't either. Mm -hmm. And I had Edgar Allan Poe as a positive reheatable. There you go. (laughs) For his spooky tales. Spooky. Spooky. And it's crazy that when you look at a picture, he died at 40. So you know he couldn't have been over 40. But every picture you see of him, I'm like, wow, that's a hard time. was different back then. Ooh, ooh. All right. I have for my good reheatables immigration. Listen to this. Almost everyone involved in this movie were either immigrants to America. Um, both of the police officers who arrived, Thommel the henchman, the major domo, Peter Allison, Bella, Cor- Bella Lugosi, Boris Karloff, and director Edgar Ulmer were all not born in the United States of America and immigrated to the United States. Mm-hmm. Or their parents were immigrants, and that was true for Heinz, the musician. He was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, to... German immigrants. Hmm. Immigrants. We get the job done. Mm-hmm. I have this as a good reheatable because I wondered why I hadn't heard more of this about this actor because he seemed to have, I enjoy, even though I thought the character was dumb as dirt, there was something about him and his persona where I'm like, why isn't this guy more of a bigger star? And that would be David Manners, who played the American Peter. husband. Peter, Peter. Allison. Mm-hmm. Right. 
I so feel like, I feel like I'd seen him before, an embodiment of him before. Yeah, I don't know. I just thought, like, who is this guy? Why isn't he? Why wasn't he ever a, a bigger deal? Um, he, but this is one of those things where like Hollywood careers are weird. I already know that off the bat. So I did a little bit of investigating and I thought he was good looking. I thought on screen, he was very charming Like mm-hmm. he wasn't just a good looking face who couldn't act. I thought he, you know, I mean, he had a, didn't have much of a great role in this case. Right, but he, he, right. played, he did play the part of an idiot American who's mm-hmm. just do, 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 do. To perfection. Um, he got his, he was discovered by director James Whale at a party. So remember, James Whale was the director of Frankenstein and Bride of Frankenstein. Mm-hmm. And he was one of the few directors in Hollywood who did not hide that he was a homosexual. Um, in 1936, David Manners is said to have gotten bored and abandoned his film career because he said that, quote, Hollywood was a false place. So I just kind of surmised with nothing to go on that he might have, he was probably gay himself. David Manners. He was, he was married to a woman. That marriage did not last very long. They lived in an apartment with, a 22-year-old Filipino fellow. Oh, gosh. Okay. So Nothing wrong with that. There's, no, there's there's definitely nothing wrong. And I think later in life, he... And then he went back into um, acting for a little while. Because he was in some movies with... He was in a movie, a Frank Capra movie, with Barbara Stanwyck. And I think he was in a film with... Um, Catherine Hepburn, but I think that was when Catherine Hepburn was considered box office poison. Mm-hmm. So he had his, I mean, he had his thing, but I think he also had his fill of Hollywood and he probably couldn't live and be exactly who he really wanted to be. And so he, um, he seems to have lived a, a very like fulfilled life and, and stuff. And, but I just thought that that was very interesting. Cause I'm like, Oh, he, he seemed like he could have been a good romantic, lead, exactly. you know, and, and like a exactly. comedy and stuff. Um, let's see. The okay, I already did the, like how the sliding door was so light that it bounced back. That did make me laugh really hard. I would have personally wished that Bella Lugosi's character, when he was being a doctor to Joan, he did use water to cleanse his hands. I but would have no preferred- so. That's what I'm saying. And also, but couldn't you have just gone to the sink? I, it, yeah. It's, yeah. This is a modern house, but... And I think the point was to show the glass vessel instead of like a, you know, a bucket or something. Like, we're so modern. We have I mean, this... It was a nice glass bowl, but... Glass yeah. vessel for you to wash your hands in with no soap. Yeah. Boris Karloff's hair. Now that's a widow's peak. That is a that yes. is quintessential widow's mm-hmm. peak. Um, you kind of touched on this, Mava. Bella Lugosi's reaction to seeing the black cat was hilarious. It was. It was. It was so funny. It was it, so over the top. Oh, so over the top. Um. Hey, which also goes into Bella Lugosi's acting style because I haven't seen. Dracula, but 
and I guess he was in the Nachka, which we did, but I didn't recognize. But his acting style is very, it's, it's one of those things. Like this is why I like going back and watching these old movies because you hear these names: oh, Bella Lugosi, right. Dracula, four. And then you see him in this. It's like, oh, huh. And so, so that's his style, huh? It's yeah. uh, it's a choice. And I kind of like it. It, it. It's one of those things yeah. where it, it wears on me. And I'm like, you know what? My man's got something here. Yeah. I see why he's Bela Lugosi, but it's so... And I, there's a story that Boris Karloff told somebody who was famous for doing voices. He was like, my guy, let me just stop you here a second. Give you some constructive criticism. You need to go watch Bela Lugosi's performance in the move, the first movie we did together, Black Cat, specifically where he's talking about how he wants to flay my skin. Get that down, and then you'll get his voice down. Exactly. So, exactly. Um, I thought like Bela Lugosi's character looked great for just getting out of the prison camp in Siberia. Yeah. Really wondered. <laughs> where he got that henchman from. And then my final good reheatable about this film is that, with you know, German expressionism, this movie is just all about the vibes. You're just, yeah. this, this creepiness. I, you got, turns out I love German expressionism. I didn't know that until this month. I know, you were all about it. And it, mm-hmm. I, it's, it, it just, it, it's just so creepy. You got the music going on. We can't tell you the story, the who's, the why's, the what, the when's, the where's, but you see it and you're just it, like, it, cause that doesn't matter. That yeah. it's just watching. And, okay. Um, okay. So I'm not going to step on my M or LVPs at this moment. We're going to yeah. go to MVP. Oh, wait, I already did my MVP. Quotables. Quotables. A masterpiece of construction built upon the ruins of destruction. That was Mm. his ultra-modern house. And then uh, Peter goes to his wife and goes, you feel like getting out of here? And she goes, I'd feel well enough to leave even if I didn't feel well enough to leave. (laughs) (laughs) She would just come out. She was such a nothing character, but there's, there's that and there's another instance where she just does cut to the quick of everything. That's pretty much out of character because she's a woman in this and has no so, say. And then, and then Bella Lugosi goes, stop struggling, you little fool. <laughs> but you don't know who to trust. I mean, you're in this no. freak show. You don't Someone know until who the to end. trust. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Other quotables? I have, it is perhaps the narcotic. <laughs> oh, that's a good she one. was quite lovable. Yeah. Um, sounds like a lot of supernatural baloney to me. Mm-hmm. And then this is some, uh, what's her the wife came to? I guess she didn't remember the night she was on the narcotic. Exactly. She said, How was last night? Did I do anything silly? <laughs> that sounds like a teeny line. Yeah. <laughs> And it <laughs> was our really. wedding night. Did anything happen? No. Oh, yeah, right. No. Was then, it with you? <laughs> yeah. Um, and then when they were about to leave. Oh, I don't know when this was. Some man said this to the wife. Be brave. It is your only chance. <laughs> yeah, Bella kept telling her to be brave. Oh, yeah, because she mm-hmm. was like, she did a good scream. Yeah, she was good at screaming. She did several screams, yes. Mm-hmm. 
I have that line that comes after the, the one that Teeny said about the um, baloney or anything. And it ends with, there are many things under the sun. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. I also have, even the phone is dead. Even the phone is dead. <laughs> and one of them says at the end, it's been a good game. Yeah, like, mm. yeah. But this was my favorite one because it made me laugh out loud because it's one of those times in movies. I all watch this movie by myself, so sometimes you know, have a have a pour myself a nice little cocktail, and I'll I'll get to talking to the screen and whatnot. <laughs> and this is one of those instances where what I said and the character said it at exactly the same time, and I was like, wait, what? And that was it was the it was Joan. Joan says this. Bella Lugosi pretty much says, yeah, that guy, he's responsible for all my friends being murdered, for me going to prison. He took my wife. He and he took my daughter. And she's like, and you let him live? <laughs> yes. Agreed. But then and he's I was still breathing. Yeah, like, and he's still alive. That was, that was me saying it. And then I was reading, you know, articles of academics and whatnot, and they were saying how that was such a a dumb, simple, childlike American thing to say. Always th- seeing things in black and white. And I'm like, no, that's a like you killed my wife and you murdered my daughter, and you're still breathing. That seems like a human. Thing, After but. you sent me to prison, which is the whole plot Ex- of Count of Monte Cristo, exactly. And uh, ten thousand of my comrades are their blood is in this soil, mm-hmm. and you're still breathing. Yeah, but I, I'm childish because I yeah. like yeah mm. revenge, and mm. you let him live. <laughs> <laughs> okay, LVP. My LVP is Joan. My LVP is Joan. Really, Joan? Wow, victim blaming much? Okay. Yeah, I know, but listen. Okay, so all she does is scream. She is in that room where there are all those scalpels, all those surgeries. She could go and pick one up and try to help herself, too. You have a point. Oh, this is true. This is. I true. did get tired of her screaming all the time and fainting. Come on, bitch. Yeah, like try to help yourself. Marty, like stop fainting. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And she didn't really like. Guys, did she really look that hurt from the accident? No, she had a cut. What was right here? What? What? What was that? A little tiny what? A little piece of glass. Yeah, yeah it was. Mm. It was nothing. Mm-mm. Her face was just fine. My LVP was the honeymoon. <laughs> well, well. I done. mean, first of all, I mean, from the beginning to then, who does who has a lunchtime wedding? I guess plenty of people. I think my parents might have, but okay, I'm out there. But then <laughs> you're taking the train. Okay, cool. But then he let that man into the train car, like without even trying. It wasn't well, even like he tried to exactly. say exactly. Ma, come on. You've been on trains in Europe and notorious of having been in the wrong carts, on wrong seats. Trains can But who stood their ground? Who stood their ground? You did. I said, I am not moving. This is my seat. And they left me alone. 
They, well. they, saw the, they saw the German nostrils flare and they were like, oh, she's got the old country in her. And that's what <laughs> I needed from Peter. Exactly. Oh, Peter's if cry, cry, then they end up in this whole thing. They almost get murdered. Then they just go home, which I guess is what you do. But <laughs> I don't know. I need a vacation after that. He was more angry about getting the bad review than that, any well, that of was the thing. Well, that was the thing. it all off, he gets this terrible. Like she true. married a shitty writer. Exactly. But one line we have missed, the quotable we have missed, is him going, "Next time I'm going to Niagara Falls." <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> he did say that. So he already knew that this his wife wasn't. <laughs> I get, yeah. He probably yeah. yeah. And, and really, you're go, you're Americans. You're going to Europe for your honeymoon in '34. Are you not reading any papers? Do you? No, know you're not. Hello, this is what we do. <laughs> it's true. Like this is who we've always been. It's all about me. <laughs> this, yeah. What are you thought? Do 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 do. Yeah. I I yeah. I I hear that there's nothing going on in the, this part of Europe. It's fine. Okay, so MVPs. Oh, wait, can I do my? Oh, I guess. My LVP. Apparently, this is a hot take. My my LVP is Polzig. You know, the man who condemned 10,000 people to die, built a modern (laughs) mansion over their their corpses. There's that. Took that guy's wife. He was just following his religion. She got sick and died. Meanwhile, like he but married did she? daughter exactly. Also, he married the daughter, so that means that's pedophilia right there. Well, you know, Don Johnson. Don Johnson. He had a he had a thing with her mother before he married her. Don Johnson had a thing with Hedron. Is Melanie Griffith's mother? True. I thought you were gonna go Woody Allen. Um. No, I'm going full on Don Johnson. Oh, Don Johnson. That, that, hey, that's cool with me. I just, I mean, and then he's just going to like sacrifice. And he has multiple women in his murder museum studio. As soon as, as soon as the daughter finds out the father's in the house, she got to go. And she does go. And we don't even need to see her death. No, I did like that about the Hays Code. Thank you, Hays Code. No, this is a pre-code film, ma. I'll get into all the reasons why. This is a pre-code film. Wow, I thought that's why we didn't see the gore. No, no, the reason we didn't see the gore, I'll get to it. There's a reason why. Somebody came back from vacation and was like, what the fuck have you (laughs) been doing? (laughs) Okay, okay. That explains a lot of this movie. Okay. Oh, that was my LVP. MVP. Mm-hmm. My MVP. Boris versus Bella. Seeing those two mm. together, interacting together. I loved it. I loved Hi. it. Oh. My MVP was the length of the movie. They fed everything they needed to fit in in an hour and four minutes. There was nothing else that needed to be added in. Every other movie from then until now can just take note. Exactly. We can do it in this time frame. They cut out everything unnecessary. (laughs) Some necessary, but 
<laughs> well, yeah, I mean, well, there might have been, you know, those but, of you who actually want to follow a, a timeline. Yeah, but this is just German expressionism. It's about the vibes, right. baby. The vibes. I have as my MVP, Thamal, the henchman. Because when it, what, what does he do when Bella comes back and is like, that man killed my wife, automatically, without anything being told, takes the knife out and starts walking out the door because he's going to go kill Pulsic. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And Bella goes, no, no, wait, we have to bide our time. And it's like, you know that this man killed your wife and obviously killed your daughter. He didn't say like, oh no, my daughter's your daughter is now my wife, you know? He Thamal knew what was up. Let me go kill the man. And he was like, No. And as a matter of fact, I want you to obey him the way you would me until I tell you so. Yeah. Mm-mm. Like, come on. Yeah. No. Loyalties, people. Been in the gulag. You got yeah. soft out here, Doc. You got soft. Yeah. You were obviously eating some pommes frites between the gulag and Poltzig's house. Mm-hmm. That's my MVP. Okay. So we are to recasting. Mm-hmm. So first, there was one point where the doctor, Bella Lugosi, Looked so much to me like Rafe Fiennes. I was oh, like, I, yes. I can't do any other recasting, but Rafe Fiennes is the doctor. Yes, that's really good. But then I couldn't come up with anybody else. So I did a second recasting where I had Peter, you know, is Jordan Peele. Okay. Now, Joan, all she had to do was scream and faint. So mm-hmm. I went with. Your fave, Yara Shahadi, the girl the, from Blackish. The, oh, the oldest daughter from Blackish. I don't know why she's my favorite. She's not, which is why all I needed was somebody to scream and oh, faint. So I went yeah. with, well, Erin has no respect for this person, so let's go with her. <laughs> wow. I don't, I've never had an opinion. She has respect for her. She just, I just feel like she could do that part. <laughs> so for that, I wanted to go in a different direction where, where the comedy came out a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my doctor is Will Smith. Mm. And my Poltzik is Samuel L. Jackson. Oh, that's pretty good. Cause they can be intense, but they, they have that comic timing as does Jordan Peele, of course, as does Yara Shahidi. Mm -hmm. I'm just going to let you continue to just figure it out as you go along. (laughs) So that's my recasting. You're welcome. I have have two casts. So one cast, Peter Allison, I have is James Marsden. Yeah, perfect. Yeah. Perfect. Joan Allison, I have Amy Adams. Well, why not? Mm-hmm. Those two together, yes. Dr. Pendergast, who is Bella Lugosi, I have Javier Bardem. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And then as Poltzig, who is Boris Karloff, I have David Harbour. Because at one point when he came in, when Karloff came in, I don't know, I just, I was like, oh, he just reminded me, like, David Harbour's brow. He's on Stranger 
Stranger Things. Oh, okay. Yes. Oh, like, okay. Oh, like yeah, he could. I could see him doing that. And then my other cast for Joan Allison, I have Jodie Turner Smith. Um, she was in. Okay. Okay. Yes. I have Brian Tyree Henry as Peter Allison. Okay. For Dr. Verdergast, I have Delroy Lindo. <gasps> Delroy. And as yeah. Polzig, I have David Keith. Well, you've seen him in many things, but you'll know him as the voice on the Muhammad Ali documentary. Hmm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christine, do we have a recasting? Surprise, surprise, you do not. Okay, well, we'll just go with it. David Keith, K-E? Keith. No, Keith David. Oh, Keith David, K-E. You see him in a bunch of things. He's got a great voice. He does a lot of... Yes, he does. Yes, yes. Okay, well done. Okay. So now we are to our tasty nuggets. Mm Mm-hmm. And we've already talked about that Edgar Allan Poe's story was really just a PR stunt to get people in. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The British title for this is House of Doom because in Britain, black cats are good luck. Oh, Uh isn't that interesting? The House of Doom. This is the first of eight movies with Bella and Boris. Well, they did eight. Mm-hmm. They did eight together, and um, like at first they thought they might upstage each other, but they found a a great working relationship. That's what I that was my MVP. Yeah, they never became friends, but they there was often of uh, contention that they had a contentious relationship, and right? That there was Who's on top? And, yeah. yeah, but they were they were we all work for people like that. Yeah, exactly. They just weren't friends, but they were friendly and they in- enjoyed a professional working relationship exactly. together. And it showed on screen. Mm-hmm. Okay, Aaron, when you did your uh, particulars, did you have Lucy Lund? No, I didn't do her. She was the um, the daughter, right? I don't think so. I think she was the wife. Oh, okay. Because this is my reheatable. So Lucy Lund, the... um. The director, Ulmer, like kind of propositioned her, wanted to date her, wanted her to be his girlfriend. And she Mm. said, not so much. Thanks anyway. Mm. So when she is suspended there in that scene, she's Mm -hmm. in her glass case and you don't know she's she's in canvas underwear that is attached to wires that makes her hang there. And you can't see why. Mm -hmm. That sounds terrible. they uh, everybody went out to lunch and left her suspended for like an hour. Uh, it just left her there yeah. because she wouldn't be his mm. girlfriend. Yeah, that's why. Uh, that's why there's unions came to be a I thing. I mean, my God, just leave <laughs> yeah. me suspended here because. Uh, okay. I mean, but that that's that's why we were saying about the. Uh, ju- or whoever played Joan, yes. oh, like you know, just the, the stories story. that she yes, would to tell. Her. Yeah. Whew. Okay. Italy, Finland, and Austria banned this movie because it was too scary. <laughs> 
Well, Austria banned it because at the end, when the Austrian police come in, they're in at actual Austrian police garb Mm -hmm. and they're going, no, uh, we're not letting our Austrian police people be a part of this movie. So, yeah. You just want to tell all those people, hey, guys, (laughs) just give it a few years. You want to see scary. (laughs) This is horror? I never knew I could do horror, but I can't do modern day horror. Okay, so those are my tasties. I don't have any tasties. Oh, okay. I'm sorry for the sirens. I've been trying to mute myself, but here we are. Brooklyn's finest. <laughs> no, you did great with your nerd alerts and the whole Edgar Allan Poe-ness. Mm-hmm. Um, I have the the narcotic that is given is H-Y-O-S-C-I-N-E. Hyacine. AKA, like fun. AKA devil's breath. It is a, a natural and synthetically produced drug to treat motion sickness and post-nausea and vomiting. I need that in my life. You've probably been given it in your life. I has a new name now. Yeah, I mean, that's just, I mean, you know, you can break down all the big word I like how it was natural it. and synthetic. Well, no, they have natural ones and, like... It, you know, because I don't know. I'm not a pharmacist. This was the biggest box office hit of the year for Universal. It was indeed. Polzig's name is borrowed from Hans Polzig, whom the director Ulmer claimed to have worked with on the sets for the silent film Gollum. But Ulmer's a, a weird dude in that he he said that he worked with Lubitsch and F.W. Murnau and Fritz Lang and stuff, but some of that, his credits are disputed. So it's interesting. Ah. Um, Bella Lugosi was also in the black cat, the 1941 edition, although it's oh, no relation. So let's do this again. Mm-hmm. Um, they also said that Polzig was inspired by the occultist, Alistair Crawley, who lived from 1875 to 1947. He, among other things, was a recreational drug user, bisexual, individualist, social critic, misogynist, and racist. And he founded the the, the religion of Thelmia. Or Thelemia. Mm. Um, Ulmer? Okay, so remember how we were saying that the director, Ulmer guy... This was his big and only A picture. Yeah, he went to, on to go to Poverty Row. It wasn't because this was like, oh, this he really pooped the bed on this one. Send him out of here. It's because he had an affair with Shirley Beatrice Castler, and Shirley was married to the nephew of Carl Lemley Jr. Oh, and so, so they had an, an affair in 1936. Or and then in nineteen thirty, they I think they had the affair in thirty three, and in thirty six, the two were married. And so then, like Carl Lemley was like, "Yo, you had an you slept with my nephew's wife." So then he was kind of, he kind of only could get work in poverty row. You'll never work in this town again. Um. Okay, this is a pre code film, and on pre code film pre code film dot com. It lists these uh, 
signs that it was a pre-code film. So Satanism oh. being oh. in it. Number one. The Dead Women, which yeah. applied necrophilia. Oh, okay, I can see it, I guess. The pedophilia that is implied because he does marry the little girl that he raised. Bella, When Bella Lugosi goes into Joan's room and is like, I must examine the dressing. That would never Uh, happen in coded films. When Boris Karloff is stroking the queen of the chess piece and then at one point he grips the there's a naked woman statue and when Peter that one and yes. oh, no, but yeah, no, yeah that gets yeah. cut out in the time of the time code. to be around that was most <laughs> of it that's why most of the movies from the 40s and 50s are all like boring what? yeah what well, innuendo yeah they had to, remember though that, but in when some did code end Whoa. I'm look it up. All right, look it, up. it was like in the 60s, I would think. Um, let's see. Oh, and then there's a website. So 366weirdmovies.com. So there was... 1968? Wow. 68? Yeah, crazy. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it's one of those things where, yes... It's it's the yin and the yang of everything. How yeah, there's balance because there was some stuff that because they couldn't say it, they had to get way creative with it, and it did. Yeah. But yeah, a lot of it, is, and it also it taught children people. context clues. Yeah, that's but, why I let you see things that you shouldn't have seen. I'm teaching you context clues. Yeah, but then but it also really stunted America socially and just. A bunch of the bullshit that we still have to are still going through because they wouldn't show it. Um, 366weirdmovies.com. So, Carl Emley Jr., you know, head of Universal, he went on vacation. He was like, All right, here's the black cat. Here's the story. Edgar, go off, make this film. So, Edgar's like, All right, I'm so in this. Let's go. Throw. Looks at the short story, throws it away. Mm-mm, and him and the writer, they're like, they come up with all this stuff. Carl Lemley comes back, all sand, just all tanned, ready. He's like, all right, let me see what you got. And then it's like, what in the <laughs> world? What are you doing? What have you done? <laughs> you can't do this. So, you know. I don't know if we mentioned it, but Bella Lugosi, he had been typecast as always mm-hmm. being like a villain and stuff. And it, and he was later in life, by the time it was 1931, he was kind of older when he got to be Dracula. And then, and so he, you know, because of how America is, he was always kind of a bad guy or a henchman or something like that. So he was really excited when he got to be the hero in this good, film. Good guy. He was the Except good guy he, in this. He reads it and we haven't mentioned it, but there is a creepy scene when they're in the train car and Joan is sleeping. Yes, and he touches yeah. her hair. And, and like he's all like mesmerized and stuff. Well, there's there are scenes that were shot that got cut, and in those days when a scene was cut, it was destroyed. So there's no evidence uh, of that. But oh, here, here are some bad. things that were cut when Carl came back from vacation and was like, "No, we're not doing this." Um. Bella Caroli's or Bella Caroli. I know <laughs> Bella Lugosi. 
Jeez. Well, I it, did that a couple times. So what I'm about to say is not too far off, though. His character rapes Joan Ooh, in the car in the in the train car. I don't know when or where because it gets destroyed. But that is something that oh, was like because the, Peter w- Peter is awake when. Okay, so he goes to touch her hair. He was sleeping at first. I would guess if he did that, that was when they got back to the modern house. Yeah, With I don't know when or hair, oh, when she's on narcotics the or whatever. Yeah, the narcotic because so, she was quite. But okay. that that was something that happened. They got cut. Oh, I'm Let glad it got know. cut. Joan transforming into a black cat. Oh, I would have loved Ooh. to see that. I would have loved Ooh. to see that there. I'm there for that. Yeah, that yeah, got he... caught. Oh, you know, so at the end, when uh, Paul, Boris Karloff's character is in the embalming chains and stuff, and Bella Lugosi is talking about how he's going to skin him yeah. alive, the shot of <laughs> Karloff on the ground crawling with his skin flaying off. Oh, no. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh god oh my god that would have been horrendous yeah that was cut out and then but then they added in the comic relief that we talked about about like bella's reaction to the cats and they made his character kind of more in a traditional hero so it's just like what movie was ulmer making i'm very oh curious god. about that <laughs> yeah that's a horror movie i wouldn't want to watch because there's also the scene where they're in doing the satanic ritual and that woman i i can never tell what she she screams and that's what the whole right i don't the one of oh i think it was in pre-code film the guy that wrote that article his theory is that she is that the person that they were calling to like the supernatural being because there really isn't uh. anything supernatural in this that that's what she sees as they're about to sacrifice Joan, oh, okay. that's why she screams. I thought that that she was the daughter, and that she screamed, and then we see later that she's just dead. So I I don't know, but yeah, we don't know why she screams. She's but it saves Joan. Comes back and it's like, guys, oh my god, <laughs> what? what are you I left done? him alone for one Can vacation. With my nephew's wife. What? Oh. Well, I thought it was a fun movie before all that. No, it is a fun movie in just how wild it is. It's a wild ride. It is a wild ride, but you get to see Bella Lugosi and Boris Karloff interacting. So I did. I laughed and I enjoyed it. I did, too. So what's up for next week? It's me, right? It might be you two weeks in a row. Well, no, I was going to. Okay. I am down for two weeks in a row. I say two weeks in a row. Just do it. Because I had a very hard time selecting my movie for this week. Understood. It is upon us. Um, it, yeah, I it's it would be my week. I'm. Fully, like, we're doing okay. two weeks in a row of teeny picks. Great. I mean, you guys had, like, 200 episodes without me having a We yeah. did. We did. Yeah. Just because we didn't 
know that you'd even be interested in joining us. And well, we're so thrilled. There may be like a hundred episodes. I don't know. <laughs> there were I mean, some. Yeah. Well, so I will take that. So this week I've made a decision though. Yes. Now I really enjoyed the monster movies. Yes. Oh my Who God. Knew I'm scared. Since, oh my God. You're on scared. I don't think you're, I've been very nice. Mm-hmm. You have. Agreed with the scare factor. I'm just mm-hmm. gonna say that compared to last year. So well, when I mean, did I mean, we we survived the House of Ten Thousand Corpses? We were like, you oh, can. we can do this. Yeah, I did it. I actually watched it. Mm-hmm. Okay, what are we doing? We're going to 1958. 1958. I was six years old. We have it, this is a uh, Hayes Code. Yeah, I know. Which I'm like, fuck, did I pick a boring movie now? <laughs> it's not universal. Not universal. Not universal. I almost did a universal monster movie and I um, changed. Walked it back. Where are we? We're in Paramount. Paramount Pictures. Paramount Pictures. I have mm-hmm. not taken a deep breath yet. It has to do with, it's a monster movie, but I don't think it's an actual monster. I think it's from another realm. Another milieu. Like, not necessarily a monster. Um, let's see the, who the actors are. Yeah, who's I in? guarantee I don't know any of them. Tom Tryon. Tom Ever Tom heard of him? Tom Tryon. Gloria Talbot. Gloria, Gloria Talbot. Talbot. Peter Baldwin. Don't know Peter Baldwin. Robert Ivers. Nope. Hmm. Okay, do you know the director? Let's see if you know the director. Directed by Gene Fowler Jr. Oh, man. All right, well, who knows if we'll be able to see it. But, um, <laughs> oh, I love it. I love well, the, <laughs> one of the reasons it brought me here, too, you remember, like, have you seen the headlines about Demi Lovato? And An she alien. says we should not call aliens aliens anymore. Is this the day the Earth stood still? No. It also has to do... Um, you want me to tell you? Well, Body just, snatchers? No. We're doing the 1958 horror science fiction film I Married a Monster from Outer Space. <laughs> oh, perfect. Um, it says... The film storyline concerns a young wife that begins to realize that her husband is not the man he was before they married. He has lost all real affection for her and for his new pet dog, which she gave him as a present. Therefore, she quickly discovers he is not the only man in town that appears to have changed. Now, (gasps) suspicious, she follows him one evening when he goes out for a walk and shockingly discovers that her husband is actually an alien humanoid. It is available to rent on Apple. And it's only 78 minutes long. Yes. Okay. The Bride War Terror. Uh, Okay. I will. I will watch it. I feel like you're going to watch it, Ma, and be like, did I marry a monster from outer space? Well, I've always (laughs) felt that way. You know, because his ears have like. Like where the points would be are cut off a little bit. I, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I, okay. So, uh, okay. Um, 
We will see if I make it to next week's podcast. (laughs) We hope you have enjoyed the black cat and we will be back with. I married a monster monster from from outer space. Sure will. Okay, well, there you have it, listeners. It, next week is going to be like, I got 99 problems, but this ain't one. That ain't one. <laughs> yep. <laughs> For you two. Okay. Bye. Bye. Bye.